Today's episode is brought to you by Explore St. Louis. Whether you live in the area and you're wondering what to do, what to see, what to eat this weekend, or if you and your kid's team is going to be playing in any one of the tournaments in the spring, check out explorestl.com so you can get everything prepared. Because the games aren't that long, they are exciting, but the nightlife is even more so. So check out explorestl.com. And now let's check out this episode. It's that time. Tis. 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 Time. New episode. Um, I don't I don't really want to say this out loud, but I'm going to. Um, no. No filter today? This, Imagine when that. we do them here, this is my most enjoyable, comfortable place. It's, it's intimate. It's private. Um, there's not a loud bullshit behind us, and it's the best beer in St. Louis. Well... Where are we, Jared? I mean, if you're going to say that, I mean, let's give him a little prop. We're, the, at, uh, we're at the UCBC in the Grove. Urban Chestnut Brewing Company in the Grove. I, I agree, man. These guys kill it. The beer is, we've said it time and time and time again. Class, yellow, cold, good. It's so good. Good. Apparently, Germans are pretty good at making beer. And apparently, we've figured out how to make it like them, at least here at UCBC. Well, they do have a German that mm-hmm. creates the recipes. That helps. <clears throat> you know, they're a Bayern Munich. He's a Bayern Munich guy. So, I mean, do you think he had a beer two days ago for, for old Franz? <laughs> Did he pour one out? He probably he probably took his wickle and poured it in the alley. He's one for you, Franz. Speaking of Urban Chestnut, uh, we're down here in the Grove recording tonight. Uh, I want to let you guys know that they have coming up. It is called Whoopertanger Fest. It is on, I'm checking the... 24th. January 28th, 1 to 5. So um, it's a really cool, it's kind of a get out of the winter time. It's a beer fest. Come down, they're going to have a party, they're going to have music, they're going to have all that. Come check it out. It's a lot of fun, good food, interesting people watching, and good beer. Yeah, we said that. And the, the jackrabbit. Or the the jackalope looking. It's thing. a jackalope. Yeah, it's a Wolpertinger. Yeah, it's kind of like, what, what's that Donnie Darko or what's a, what's the movie with the jackalope? I don't I don't know. But I, hey, our guest it. today is a huge pizza guy and has is versed, and we'll get into this later in the episode after we announce the guest. Write that down. But this <laughs> pizza, this pizza here, we can't go without mentioning it. The pizza here is phenomenal. Well, let's just. That kind of ties in, you know, thinking some of our partners here would get this uh, early. Um, Explore St. Louis, uh, supporting the show. Uh, go to explorestl.com. You, if you're coming in, because springtime's around the corner. Uh, Gallagher, Rush, Fuse, all of them are stacking the tournaments. Uh, so those of you that are listening from uh, Kansas <laughs> with a sm- lowercase k, <laughs> Cincy, et cetera, when you come into town, Come to the Grove, check it out. Uh, don't don't get a hotel way the hell out and I don't know. Wait, what is it? Past Union or whatever? God's country. Yeah, yeah, that's that's one way of putting it. Uh, stay down here. Come check out Urban Chestnut uh, or anything in the Grove anywhere in the area. So thank you, Explorer, for the support. Uh, Ambush continue to. They got games coming up here shortly. Um, Winter time again. We don't have outdoor games yet. We still have another couple months. Uh, Fun, cheap 
good family entertainment, high paced. Uh, go check it out. Uh, pinnacle points of the day. We're going to get right into it because I'm sure we got a few here. Uh, Thepinnacleloans.com, Chris, Bill, and crew over there, thank you for the support. We, we love this part of the show because we get to talk about anything. Therefore, Zach, you're first. Yeah, I might as well just go ahead and get this out of the way and let you guys make fun of me for the next, I don't know, hour or so. But um, <clears throat> Is that it? Well, maybe tomorrow. And I don't even think you have to say your point. That's <laughs> true. <laughs> yeah, just add okay, you know, stop fuel to the fire. Next. <laughs> no. So I started at a gym about May. And God. I, listen, just chill out. I know you don't like working out anymore. I do. And I now can't because I have a hernia. And it sucks so bad. Oh my! Are you gonna get the mesh? I don't know. I don't have a. I don't have a treatment plan yet. <laughs> but, did, uh, did you? Is this like a lingering injury from cutting the deer out of your fence or something? No, like this will be the third hernia I've had in my life. When you say workout, are you still in the jazzercise class? So did you get the hernia from jazzercising? <laughs> no, I actually got it from lifting weights. Because <laughs> I'm old. It was that shaker weight, wasn't it? Are not great. It was that uh, no, weight. we don't have shaker weights there now. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, oh, uh, my goodness. Uh, <laughs> let's skip right on past that. Jared, what you got? Pinnacle point of day. You know, I'm going to be guilty here because um, this will be the second episode in a row that I've, I've, I've branched away from soccer. And it, it, it's sports-worthy news. Um, two sports icons retired here in the last couple of days. I don't care about Bill Belichick because I hate the Patriots and I hate everything about them. Yeah, but he was pretty um, good. But he was really good, and there's no um, – his resume speaks for itself. But what I will say is, is, is whether you like him or not, Nick Saban retires. Let me tell you a little bit of the information. I love when he does this. You me notice too. how you can't hear because his head is looking down because he's pulling his notes up. <laughs> on he his small has font. seven national titles since '09. Dude's been, he's won nine SEC championships at Alabama. Yeah. I mean, come on. He, he, he's been in 19 straight bowl appearances. I know you're not a football guy, but no matter what sport guy you are, that's greatness. And dude's resume, he's the greatest college football coach of all Should time. Should be when he's paid $18 million a year or whatever it is. I mean, that, come on. I'm not the, even an Alabama SEC, fan. Like, it, the SEC in football, it's just NFL light. So once they I, get yeah. on the roll, I mean, it's well, and it's, I more get than, it other it's more than that because you still have the Clemsons, the Floridas. And, and the, let, me, let me back, this, SEC let, let me, let me back this up a little bit. I'm not diminishing what he did. He's a great coach. He's won those championships because there's a lot of other great teams, great coaches that competed and have won in between his championships. But if there is a college sport that is broke, I would say football is shattered. Well, we, what, 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 what do you mean? Oh, like here, how? Here's what he means. The fact that the transfer portal announcements happened before the bowl games, yep. which means like Ohio State, as an example, when they played Mizzou, their two backup quarterback, actually their starting quarterback and their backup quarterback didn't play. Their starting quarterback transferred before the bowl game. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> That's a broken system to me. The fact that well, the, and you the, have guys that, that didn't show up, Marvin Harrison Jr., who was like, you know what? Oh, we're playing Mizzou. No thanks. 
I'll just sit it out and wait for my draft pick. I, I just that think the whole system has up. jumped the shark. Yeah. I mean, because when you look at the salaries of the coaches, you look at the programs, you look at, uh, you know, the donor base, you look at the tickets. It's just, it's not, it's not community. It's I not like collegiate community. But if you look at the revenue the sport's generating. I'm not denying But that. only for a, a small handful of teams, by the way. Yeah, that's true, too. That revenue isn't, I mean, it's, it's, it's nice. But a lot of programs run in the in the red. I think what would be interesting. Year. Yeah, you've said that. Saban. Um, well, let me ask you this: uh, College football lasts, uh, let's just say, thirty years. Which college coach has put more players in the NFL? The I, most players. I, I don't know. Saban. If you had to guess, I would say Saban. I would say Nick Saban. I would too. It has I mean, to be. Yeah. I mean, his offensive and defensive line, year in year out, are NFL offensive and defensive lines. And their quarterbacks, and their running backs, and their receivers. I mean, they're all. So, well, and you said that you know there were other coaches and whatnot. So he's going to be replaced in the SEC. There are still existing coaches in the SEC. No one will be. Alabama will not win six national championships in the next ten years. Won't happen. Yeah. Well, I think uh, NIL, transfer portal, and a handful of other things caught up to Alabama because True. now the money's spread out. Yeah, and that that's not a bad thing. I still no. I, I mean, if it, I still if there's going to be parity. I, I still think that sucks that the NFL doesn't have a minor league, and basically, it's Alabama. The FCS is the minor league of football, which is why they finally started paying these kids because, and paying them in the open. All right, so I apologize. <laughs> My pinnacle point two was football on a soccer pod. You're up. I'm kind of confused right now because I'm my, he- my head's all in this football world now. <laughs> <laughs> no, p- my pinnacle point of the day is applying to those of you that have kids that are in the college process because uh, I was just today sitting down with uh, my middle going through some le- emails, et cetera, to potential coaches, things like that. Jared, you and I were talking about it off mic beforehand. If you are a parent and you have a child that wants to go to the next level, and I don't care what level it is, whether it's yeah, go play club, you know, you know, they're, they're not going to get a D1 scholarship, but they want to continue to play, whether it's club or NAIA, anything in between. Get them in the habit of communicating with these programs, with these coaches early on. Because what I've been figuring out is it's teaching my freshmen com- becoming sophomore, which is another crazy thing, the fact that they're communi- communicating two, three years out, four years out from even going, but it's a good life skill for them to communicate with adults and advocate. Because when they get the replies, it's good practice. So I'm only putting that out as a little bit of a PSA because all of us are going through, oh my God, how do we make the next step for our child or, you know, for them to get to where they want to be? Start now. It's pretty easy. All the email addresses are accessible. Just do it. That's not a fun pinnacle point of the day. But it's a little bit of homework, so there we go. Zach, you've been doing the same thing, yeah? Yeah, very much so. And it's it's a it's a full time job, <laughs> to be really honest. And, <laughs> uh, but it's good. I mean, it's necessary, and it's it is something. I, I go back to Glover when he was on, and he said, "You, you just got to do things that people don't understand." I and hate Glover. <laughs> We're calling you Glover, Jason. It's fucking spelled Glover. No, it's not. You don't call it, remember? You don't call it a four-leaf clo- Glover. Clover. I'm still calling it Glover. I don't care, Jason. Or Clover. Clover. It's Glover. 
Glover, yeah. That's what I said. Uh, I think I'm contradicting myself. I'm going <laughs> on Glover. Yeah. You just talked yourself in a circle. Hey, we're going to take a break. We're going to get some refills. We're down at Urban Chestnut in the Grove. Got our guests coming up here on the flip side. We'll be right back. Hey, everyone. Buying a home, it's kind of a big deal. Never has there been more competition to buy, so few homes to choose from, all made worse by an uncertain interest rate landscape. Now that you're short a bedroom for the third kid, you're in the wrong school district, and a walkable corner pub isn't nearly close enough, it's time to reach out to the Pinnacle Loan Team for help. They work with a network of agents that have their feet on the ground across the whole region and have a number of loan products that are cost-effective with a process that is simple. Basically, they've got you covered from start to finish. So when it's time to buy, visit ThePinnacleLoans.com. That's ThePinnacleLoans.com. Simply the best in home loans. We're back. This was a special request. Our guest has listened enough to know He's a music guy, too. Picked it. Got a little Wild Wild Life. The Talking Heads. Down here at Urban Chestnut, we got the refills. Uh, quick, let's spray the infield. Uh, Jared, what are you drinking? I'm going Balkan Street Lager. I mean, I don't know. Is there any other choice? Yeah, there are other choices, but Balkan is a good one. What's your Zach? Same. <laughs> but like I said, I, 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 I was here last night. And well, the boys were training, and I tried a couple different ones that I hadn't had before, and they were all good too. And I think I'm what am I? Wally's or yeah, Zwick? That's Wally's. Yeah, Wally's, dude. Yeah, it's a little cloudy. That's tossing. that's the only beer they ask you where you're from, and if you say Granite City, they just pour you Wally's. I know, because they don't. They're have, smart. They know better. Because <laughs> <clears throat> they don't hey, have high life. So we're gonna roll our guest in here. He has lived his own version of a wild, wild life. He's had tremendous success between the posts. Uh, as a player, as a coach, as a trainer, um, in spite of the fact he grew up on the wrong side of two rivers. No, he didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Without further ado, as the fist bumps go flying from the St. Dom brethren. No, he's TK. not. Uh, no. TK. He, did he not. might leave. No. He oh, you were St. Dom? No. Nope. No. I thought you were. Absolutely not. Oh, my God. Did I do that? I was, uh, you did that. I was Duchenne. Oh, it was a little bit different back then. I firmly apologize. No, I'm not offended. The first part of that two-syllable word speaks for itself. Oh boy, it was <laughs> their, their field was my favorite to play at. So yeah, it wasn't yeah. the best field, but the venue, like the hill and all that, and the train, it all of a sudden came across, and it was cool. It was a cool little field. Tim I, I, I did play at Grand City too. Oh, on the, on the uh, glass, Gauntlet? the glass uh, shards and pebbles. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. What'd you think of the dirt? Did you like it? It was fine yeah. until, I saw, <laughs> until I saw the battery come flying across my face. That was my mom. Somebody. Yeah. That was my mom. Somebody. But I saw a battery just go. I'm like, hey, we're in Granite City now. Tim Kelly, St. Chuck County, uh, longtime listener, first time caller. Appreciate you joining us, man. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. Things going good. Yeah. Yeah. Just getting back in the swing of things. Had a mm -hmm. few weeks off. You're uh, you're a little busy. You're kind of everywhere. Yeah. You've got uh, you got an army of keepers, um, past, present, and future that are keeping you busy. Yep, yep, yep. 
Um, so let's let's do this. You 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 kind of know the lay of the land uh, for the listener. Now that I, I can't. I could have swore you were saying no because he was Chire, right? Yeah. Oh, guys, that's right. The yeah. Same school. Yeah. And, Brian was a junior when I was a senior, and his yeah. older brother was my age, so right. we were on the same team. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I used to spend a night at Brian's. Because we had that argument about. Brian said he didn't play though until his senior uh, year. Uh. Yeah, I think. Well, I'm just kidding, no, Brian. He, played, no, he, he was he was my center back my junior his know, junior year. He was a stud. By he, this he time, I've already received a text of him. You know, mother effing me for the yeah, uh, wrong yeah. school anyway. He loved to act, he loved getting get stuck in with people. Hey, when uh, so just kind of giving us a little lay of the land. Uh, you gr- you grew up out west, out northwest. Um, St. Peter's. Uh, early on, what club were you with? Uh, like oh, or multiple clubs. Like my first club ever was called the Pioneers. It was kind of like a feeder little club for Duchenne uh, my dad coached um, and uh, then I went to Gallagher um, how old were you going into seventh seventh grade and then they cut me going into freshman year oh yeah um, do you know who it was do you yeah. remember uh, yeah can you name names yeah I don't mind we've talked about it. his name was Lou English good dude okay yeah good guy I don't I don't blame him I mean I was probably really skinny and you know it just it actually probably made me better because I actually played the field after that, which I think helped me quite a bit. Were you a keep, were you a keeper out of the gate? Uh, as a, as no, a, I started as a forward. My older brother Dan, who played at SLU, he was a goalie. So then I started at kind of U twelve, just indoor, and then Gallagher picked me up. And then by freshman year, they, you know, I didn't make the team. Um, I I wanted I wanted to play the field, um, but. I played goalie for Duchenne, and then for Levy, I would play the field. You know what's funny? He, he Gallagher, um, whoever that coach was, made the, made a mistake, or may, maybe didn't make a mistake because he just said it, it helped him. Yeah. Pat Noonan also played for Gallagher, got cut as a youth, went to Levy. And Miggy Perez, yeah, also got cut by Gallagher, and yeah, yeah, know, and then it's, I got it's amazing. Yeah, then I got picked up when I was a senior. Um, after my senior year, we. Played Aquinas Mercy and I played really well, and then they they asked me to come back. I almost said no. Thank God I didn't. But well, hold, hold, hold. <laughs> those Gallagher teams, your senior year and on. Uh, I mean, that's a dynasty. I mean, yeah, you guys my won team is very good. everything. I mean, and it's the who's who that played, you know, in in that era on those teams, man. I mean, yeah. those teams were hammers. Yeah, our team was our team was pretty strong. So, so we've talked about this off the record <clears throat> in the past, talking about uh, kids that you were training, things you were looking for, and one of the things that you've talked about, um, as far as like player profile, mm-hmm. is an extension beyond soccer, and that is you're a big fan, you're a huge proponent of multi-sport athletes. I am. T- talk about your own experience. You know, what were the other sports that you were playing, and and if you can try and Tie it back to soccer and what, where you see the value, whether it's physical, mental, technical. How do, how do you view multi-sport athletes and those sports to the game? Yeah, so my, uh, my favorite sport is tennis. Um, that, that if I was good at tennis, I would have continued with that. Um, it went tennis, basketball, then soccer. Um, I played tennis all four years of high school, varsity. And then uh, basketball, I quit by my soft, by going into my junior year, um, but still played it at, at pickup games, um, you know, at, at courts, just street ball. Yeah. I still loved it. I just, I knew by that point soccer was going to be my, my thing. So 
I didn't want to give up tennis, and I think I love tennis so much because I always came I was in a team sport, and then I became just an individual player, so I didn't have to rely on anybody or nobody had to look at me when I messed up. It just was always on me, so I, I really gravitated to tennis. Um, but to kind of wrap that all together, I, I just feel like it just – creates a overall competitive athlete I mean it's it's oh, not yeah. the necessarily the answer um, but I, I can give you a quick story about a, a great example of like uh, Patrick Schulte who was a big basketball player mm-hmm. and I would there's another player named Louis Saw I mean there's a lot of players that played other sports and I would always go to their games uh, main thing was so they saw me support them um, but also, I want to know how good they were. So <laughs> right. I knew what kind of conversation I was going to have with them. Um, but I do remember going to watch Patrick uh, play a, a game, and he was on a very good Howell team. And, you know, the academy experience is good, um, but you don't always get, you know, the crowd. So you got to find motivation in other ways. Um, but when I went to that basketball game, you know, there was like 3,000 people there, and he had to hit, you know, he got fouled and he had two free throws like three seconds left and i remember going back to gallagher i said this is a perfect example why that we need to let him play and that's strictly because we can't we're not going to put him in position that he has to hit this clutch moment and feel that pressure that yeah you saw him do it but yeah and so like you know i I think it comes in different ways but i just think it it, you know you're, you're having different movements Obviously, for me, like goalkeeping-wise, basketball and volleyball are the easiest sports to kind of go into. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm sure you guys know we have a baseball player in city, yeah. and he's successful. And you know, why why would we tell him not to go chase his dream? And if his dream right now is baseball and soccer, until he can figure out what he's going to gravitate to or what's going to afford him the best opportunities past, then we got to let him do that. I'm still hanging on. Did did Patrick make those two free yeah, throws? Yeah, he did. Okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah, no, yeah, and he did, and and the pressure of that was just significant for him. Oh, I'm and, I'm sure, and and the sports that you reference specifically for the goalkeeping position, um, Patrick basketball, you playing tennis, um, our sport, and we'll get into the the, the X's and O's of, of the position, um, tennis, basketball, how how, how advantageous advantageous is it for that high school age or middle school kid that are playing those sports because those four those, those sports rely a lot on your feet yeah and, and footwork specifically you know getting to balls and tennis yeah. you know uh getting to the baseline getting to the net you know are retreating you know basketball we don't need to go you know x's and o's and basketballs i mean that's like natural off-season training for the goalie position yeah. is it not yeah and that's a great point um you know, one thing I want to stress, too, though, is I can't speak on field players, right? Because yeah, I, yeah, I do yeah. feel like it, it takes years to master the ball, and goalkeeping is really trying to master their body. And in my opinion, just from my experience, I think it takes about seven or eight years to master the ball for most. Like the average player, I'm sure Messi just, you know, did what he did from an early age, as we saw in the videos sure. and all that. But goalkeeping is really about mastering your body and, and physical part of it. And I think that only takes about three or four years. Well, let, let me ask you um, about the the mentality of other sports, the individual yeah. individuality of tennis, per, uh, yeah. for example, yeah. and then the role of a goalkeeper, because uh-huh. all of us have obviously been around the game our whole lives as well, and you're the only goalkeeper at the table. Um, there's a different kind of like, there's a different camaraderie. There's a different kind of chemistry that occurs. Yeah. Even within the eleven, there's still yeah. ten field in one. Yeah. So how do how do you 
you know, look at preparing young keepers, even that are advanced, um, in managing that, that individuality or kind of that island sometimes on the field in training, because even in training, you know, it, it, they're isolated out yeah. for the majority of training. Yeah. How, do, do you address that? For sure. And so, yeah, so a little I, bit of insight. Yeah. So like, say if I have a group of 15 year olds, you know, and, and I'll just say, how many of you made a mistake? How many of you had a ball go through your hands? How many of you, you know, and they all raise their hands. And I said, that's one connection that you guys all have. So support each other because no one else on the field necessarily knows what that feels like. Right. And usually the defender midfielder is, I'm not saying they're upset at the goalie, but they're expecting him to do his job. And when he doesn't do it, it, there's still an expectations, but the goalie that's been working, you know, three or four guys have been working together that they can, they can kind of humanize that. And, and I think on a human level, I try to get them to support each other, but also to understand that they use each other to get better, to go to wherever they're going to go. Cause they're not like if it's college, college, if, 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 if you two are goalkeepers, they're going to have to pick one or the other. They're not going to necessarily right. recruit both because if they find out, then they both might say, well, you never were honest with me and you're recruiting my buddy, yep. so-and-so. So, um, so you, you try to stress that to them and get them to buy into that and believe in that. And then also to understand that coaches make the decisions. So it's don't blame the player. But I think my biggest thing is actually the parents. The players are the easy one. <laughs> and I don't mean that in a bad way. But no. No, Hold on, let me timestamp this. This is going to be a highlight <laughs> clip here. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I, you know, I mean, I know that like, you know, you can get where like if, if a parent's son isn't playing and the other parent's son is playing, then there's some could be some animosity between those parents just for because of jealousy or because of, and I get it because it's your kid and he's not playing and you see this other guy in there. But again, it goes back to performance or, you know, it's someone else's decision. It's not in your control. So don't take it out on the players or the, you know, my parents have told me some bad stories when I was a kid about, you know, other goalies, parents, and I, like not talking to them. I was like, are you kidding me? Well, so let, let me, let me add another <clears throat> Um, aspect to the question, and that is kind of the mental preparation, you know, because you were ta you were talking about um, you made the connection between the 15 year olds in your example, yeah. where it's like who's made a mistake? They all raise their hand. But when you're on the field, you know, you got 110 yards yeah. or whatever the length is. Yeah. It, it, when the other 10 players, the majority of the time, when they make a mistake, 30, 40, 50, 60 yards yeah. away from goal, 100 yards away from goal. The repercussion or the fallout yeah. is somewhat tempered, yeah. right? How do you work with young players that are starting to really advance and manage the mental side of and the reality of they're going to make mistakes? And when a goalie makes a mistake, a lot of times it costs yeah. a point, yeah. right? Yeah. Do you approach that? How do you communicate through that? through that process yeah so you know just some traits for example would be resiliency and, and right you're not going to forget that you gave up a bad goal you just got to deal with it later mm. all right and you got to move on really quick because the team that you're playing against doesn't give two craps about your <laughs> yeah. feelings yeah be a goldfish yeah. yeah and so like you have to <laughs> you have to be able to move on because as a coach if i saw some another goalkeeper that we're playing against his head down and I'm telling the team or the go head coach, going, go at them right away. Yep. Don't hit them hard. Go at them. Put, put, put balls in the box. Like, make them. Yeah. So you can't show it, number one. You, you, so even if you're feeling it, you don't show it. 
you don't show anybody any anything that you're beat so up. So kicking the post or things like that. Yeah, I mean, idea. to a point. Or you yelling know. at your wing back. You know. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I, I just, get what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, you have to you have to be resilient. You have to be kind of stone cold with it. Yep. And you have to, and also the most important thing is, is probably understand that it's a process. And someone making a great save is that's ability. You're going to learn from your mistakes more than that save that you made in the corner because that's just ability. But if you're making a mistake because you're having to make a decision, whether to go forward or go backwards, go left or right, that, that's a decision. If someone took a shot on me from 25 yards up in the upper 90, the only decision I have is go. Yeah, I think the goalies that understand that you're only as good as your next play or your yeah. next game yeah. are really the guys that are on the forefront. You know, uh, being, you know, around the same age group as you, Tim, and, and uh, growing up in the same area, <clears throat> excuse me, um, and, and being around the clubs that you've been affiliated with and, and organizations, um, admiring from afar, um, the last 25 years you've been doing this, um, you and your goalkeepers and, and – the, the onus you put on their feet and how you integrated them with training um, to me is the most exciting cutting edge. It's almost like you had a crystal ball or you had somebody tell you because 25 years ago, goalies were sitting in the on the side for 45 minutes or an yeah. hour and saying, like, come over here when we scrimmage. You were you were playing with them. You were having a kid come a year older, a year younger. You were you were creating that that group that the, your goalies are so close, and and you were developing that feet game, and that that that's an attribute to you. Can you talk about when you realized how important that was and what our game was going to do moving forward? Yeah, it was uh, the first year I started coaching. Um, you know, I think my junior years when they got rid of the rule where you couldn't pick it up anymore. Back okay. pass. Yeah. And so when I went pro at age 20, you know, my feet weren't, they actually weren't as bad as I thought they were um, because I did play the field. Right. But they weren't anywhere close to, you know, what they should have been. And it goes back to what I was saying earlier is like, I feel like my job as a developer was always to make sure that the next guy, whoever they go to, has less to do. And the one thing to get really good at is their feet. So I attacked that right away. Yeah. So usually from ages 12 to 13 all the way up to 16, 17, 50% uh, of their sessions are with their feet. And that could be just pinging a ball. I mean, it's not like I do fields like what field players would do. Like if I have five guys, I'm going to set up a passing setup that field players would do. But then some are more functional to the, to the position. So I want to come back to a point you made earlier, which when you said – from a, a guy or a girl developing foot skills, seven to eight years is kind of the, the mean that you have to have. And yeah. a goalie, maybe three to four, because it's more about their body yeah. and their control. And I think of a past guest that we had on here, Connor Sparrow. I think about Matt Turner. I think about Shep Messing. Um, Eric even Delabar. Delabar. All these guys that some of them never even played the game really get a higher and they they somehow figured out how to play in my opinion the toughest position <laughs> on the field that there is an element that was a thread that i've kind of pulled out from each one of them which is a little crazy um and I, that they, that they are a little crazy. They, yeah, not, not, you, not, not you, TK, uh, at cool. all. Um, I'm a, I'm a bit, I can be a bit crazy. Yeah, <laughs> I've heard. Uh, but what what do you think that, 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 and it's not an ingredient, it's multiple, 
But what gives somebody the ability to go out into the game that's one of the most challenging on the planet and play the most difficult position without all that background for a Turner or, I mean, Sparrow had the background, but Turner or Bessing or Gettemeyer, those kind of, those kind of guys. With their feet? Yes. Yes. Um, it's difficult and you stick out. And a large part, my beginning stages of coaching, I sometimes, and this would be an example of like, I knew they needed to have good feet. I think Gallagher, the first 10 years that I was there, I think we were ahead of the game and most Gallagher, Gallagher goalies were known to have really good feet and really good at cross-taking. Those were two things that I knew that they had to be good at. But I you also- can tell knew, now where they're at in the game currently. Yeah, those yeah. kids. But I also knew that there is gonna be a coach at some point is gonna make a decision on if someone's feet are good or not. Yep. And so I, my job is to equip them to have the best opportunity they can have and if I don't do that, then I'm shortchanging them. Now, reality is some of them, I, some of them have underdeveloped feet, meaning they just haven't done it enough. Yeah. And some people do have what I call just hard feet and they're capable, but it's not yeah. really flexible. Does that make sense? Like, yes. like Connor Sparrow is a good example. He could probably go on the field or, and there's another kid, Tomas Gomez, well, they're not kids anymore, but Tomas Gomez, right? Sure. They're very similar. Like, there was one year, and I know I'm going kind of all over the place, but there was one year that I had four goalies from Lafayette High School. Yeah. All on varsity Lancers. Three of All four were on varsity team. Three of them started on the field. One <laughs> of them in goal. That was honestly one of my pride. Like, I was nuts. like, this is awesome. That's fucking nuts. So, like, and they were cool with it because the coach had to pick the goalie, and they picked the senior. Tim. So what did the, the – yeah. So, yeah. Uh, I think his name was Jean-Luc. Yep. He was he, – uh, somebody – but regardless, he Jean Luc was uh, one of the the brothers of Logan, the Log Logan, the Ponchos. Yeah, so Logan, yeah, he's the older one. And then um, Jean Luc was the oldest. Yeah. So Logan and uh, Austin. Austin, and then Jean Luc. But it, it it affords players opportunities to be in position to to make a team. So t talk about for the <clears throat> for a lot of the goalkeeping parents out there, you know, and really for anybody. Talk about the difference between a technical goalie versus a shot stopper yeah. versus a big gamer, because goalies do tend to have, as much as it's the same position on the field, there are significantly different style of goalkeepers as opposed to, you know, a, a nine or a six or a 10, which are really different style of players. Yeah. Talk, talk about those differences amongst goalies and what you look for yeah. across those descriptors, so, descriptions. So, yeah, so, like, and again, just speaking for myself, but for me as a developer, like, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to find what they're good at naturally, and it's not a cookie cutter. So I can't train everybody the same. So maybe 90% of it's the same, but that 10% is very unique to that one player. So body type, physicality, what their feet are like. Right, and so what I would rather do versus trying to make a lot of things good, I want to make what they're already good at unbelievable and try to make everything else good, Yeah. right? Where I think a lot of coaches, whether if it's field players or goalkeeper coaches, yeah, awesome. they look yep. at like... Let's make them as good as we can yeah, in every aspect. But if they're really good at something, like Let's really make them unbelievable yeah. at something, right? And so... I think I, that model's worked. <laughs> yeah, so I, I, I look for that. So. Um, and I would say it probably took me six or seven years into my coaching career to realize that like I can't train everybody the same way because they all don't 
have the same yep. abilities. It doesn't mean one's going to be better than the other. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, the higher level you go to, the harder it gets. The, the shots get harder. They're more placed. It's just faster and all that stuff. So that's when it comes back to ability again. Um, so, again, I, I think you have to try to find the uniqueness of each player and what their skill sets are. I got a question. You, um, our listeners that are, are, are big-time listeners, know of Tim Kelly and where you're at now. Currently, you're the City 2 goalkeeping coach. Within this City Academy, you started as the Academy coach. Yeah. For our listeners, you worked in the collegiate game, slew twice, Lindawood. Yeah. Um, you've been in the club, and you've coached all different age groups in the club. What is your favorite age group to coach? And, and, and you don't have to specify it by gender either because I know you have a passion, especially with that current goalkeeper that's at, in the women's program at SLU. Yeah. Um, what is your favorite age group to coach? Not to stay neutral. I don't, I'm a developer, so any age is from 13 to 18 years old. Okay. So, like, at City 2, like, I am – or at City, I am the City 2 goalie coach, but I also – have a big imprint on mm -hmm. how they're developing the academy goalkeepers. Um, we have two really great coaches for them, Michael and Mark, to do a fantastic job, but they're both new at coaching. They're not new to the game. They're just new in that role. Michael came as a head coach from a college. Mark got done playing. Um, so um, I, I do think that, like, for me as, as a developer, there is no age. It's just when I get them. Okay. Um, does that make sense? Uh, like, absolutely. I, I would rather, for example, the kid that we moved up to that got a first-team contract named Christian. Yep. That's exciting because no one thought that was going to happen within a year. But he had ability, and then there was just some fine-tuning that we had to do. So what I did with Christian is no different than necessarily what I did with a 14- or 15-year-old. Sure. Right? It's just a different stage that they're at. Okay. Um, now, if I was selfish, selfishly, the difference between me being at City and, say, when I was at Gallagher is I could take these kids from ages all the way from 12 to 18. And stay and so with I'm them. I'm staying with them. Yeah. We're right. here. It's, it's a little bit different. There's and it's hard for me. Window. Yeah, like it, it was a hard transition for me, to be honest. Okay. And they know that because I was so used to kind of doing everything to now I just got to let and trust other people to do it. And I do trust them, obviously. That's you know what I mean? But, yeah. but it was hard. That was the most difficult change. Because I, I don't have that imprint from all the way from the younger ages. Yeah. I, I, I want to go in a, a little bit of a different direction, maybe right before the break. And we can either tee it up and, and move into that. But I had a discussion with these two folks recently off the air about social media and the impact on these younger players. Yeah. And you've got, you know, accounts out there on Twitter, Instagram that are writing up briefs and critiques on 14 15 yeah. 16 year old kids yeah it's ridiculous uh, <laughs> you've answered my question but i would like to you to, to dig into that a little bit more so why, is why don't it you frame the question first <laughs> sorry I, no. I jumped the gun but i just gave my opinion he, no he was, he was he read your mind he did and 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 maybe my tone um but i, I guess the, the to frame it is just what do you how do you feel about that side of the game because it is and there's nothing we can do about it yeah but how do you deal with kids and i talk about kids because i'm talking about the the non-pros yeah so the academy kids that are yeah. getting the exposure they're getting 14 looks. 18 yeah, yeah. How, how do you handle that side of the mental game and prepare them for whatever might come after that or what are your i guess let me back that out what are your general thoughts on 
those types of accounts and activities? And then how do you, how have you adapted your coaching and development style to, to address it? Good question. Okay. Um, first one, I think there's people that are just bored and they want clicks and they really don't do their research on these goalies. They see them one or two games and they forecast what they're going to be like. They have no idea what their ability actually is, who they are as a person. So when you do get these, you know, publications or whatever, and, and they, they rate so-and-so one of the best in the country, it's good that they see it because it maybe puts some pressure on them. And this business is about creating pressure for them to kind of be sure. resilient to get through. But it's also to keep them humble. Yeah. Um, you know, I think one of the biggest deterrents for growth is arrogance because usually you look at everybody bef else before yourself. Mm -hmm. um, so I think the, the, the best thing that we can do is we can't control, obviously, the posts that they read, but I can say the environment can humble them, the game can humble them, and reality can humble them. In, in, that, in that goalie position, in that position specifically, which you are, you have a doctorate in, is there a fine line between arrogance and confidence? Yeah. Like, like, because I feel like the best goalies in the world aren't necessarily arrogant because I think we're using that as a derogatory yeah. term, and that's for our point here, should yeah. be used as it. Except for Martinez. But, <laughs> except for, but, but the best goalies in the world are definitely effing confident. Correct. So there, there's a fine line there. Yes. So uh, my personal opinion, I would love a goalie who's very confident with a touch of arrogance. Okay. Not arrogance with a touch of confidence. Makes sense. Ooh, arrogance, yeah. arrogance is, yeah, it's not good. It's not good. You hear that, Jared? I heard it. <laughs> <laughs> Are you saying uh, strikers it doesn't apply? Uh, I'm not a striker. It's 44 years. I haven't figured that out yet. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we're gonna take a quick break. We're gonna get some refills down here at Urban. We're gonna play a little widespread for our boy. Uh, how many of these are you going to? At least two. Two. And they're in town? Uh, next, 18th, 19th, and 20th. Stiefel. Yeah, Stiefel. See? Yeah. ExploreStLouis.com. Yeah. Love it. Concerts. Go see Widespread Panic. You'll see uh, TK there. Buy him a beer on us. <laughs> we'll be back right after, the, right after the break. I'm Max, and I'm nine years old. When I'm not playing soccer, jumping on a trampoline, or playing Xbox, with permission, of course, I listen to the Baked In Podcast with Josh Allen. Josh talks to some of the most incredible business leaders in St. Louis. From Maxine Clark of Build-A-Bear to Gerard Kraft, the chief flavor officer for my favorite team, St. Louis City SC. There's something for everyone. If you are interested in the secret sauce of success, check out the Baked In Podcast. Now, back to those old guys. Or maybe you do know, that's why you do it. <laughs> I, I thought you might like this one, man. Is this Man in the Woods, Justin Timberlake? Oh uh, yes. <laughs> well, you this said you just watched this movie, right? I did. That's what, kind of why. Well, he mentioned... Uh, Pearl Jam earlier, yeah. and we just played a live the other night. Yep. So I kind of coming in through the side door yeah. here with this one, yeah. man. Solo. This is a solo run, right? Well, this is the one where he did the score. Soundtrack. But he did ukulele. 
uh, on the out. Well, it's from the movie Into the Wild. Right, right. But when he was touring, that was when he got in the ukulele and he was yeah. touring by oh. himself. Because I saw him at the Fox Theater. You said side door. I occasionally go in the back door. Huh. <laughs> we know. That's the only way. We know. Um, we're back. Um, and, and, and right on cue, Jared <laughs> screws it all up. <laughs> Uh, joining us today, we've got TK, Tim Kelly, uh, City 2 goalie coach. Goalie, what, what is your, what's your title, man? Because you've got uh, a lot of I, things I, you've I, got going. City 2 goalie coach and lead academy developer. I, so that's, that's, what that's I, a lot. Yeah. You're the man with all the gloves. I, I want to <laughs> ask something that we were kind of talking off the mic a little bit, like mentors. And yeah. I brought up a couple of the other goalies that we've had on the show. Yeah. And every one of them said the same thing. They didn't have kind of a, a, a North Star mentor through their playing career, yeah. and some of them became coaches. So for you as a younger kid, you said your your brother played goalie, right? Yeah. yeah. Was he kind of your go-to mentor? Yeah. Or it, did you have folks that you, no, you could look up I mean, to? You know, the, the, the biggest thing back then about goalkeeping training was you only really – my goalie coach – I had two goalie coaches that were most impactful, Eric Delabar and then a guy named Steve Fuchs. And, but at the reality is, is that you only did a summer camp or I saw Steve once a week on Saturday. So you're not really building a relationship. It was just more come in, train, do your job, go, get better, go back. Then you go see him again on Saturday. So what shifted was the fact that I was afforded the opportunity to be around these guys four, five, six, seven days a week. Then you start building trust and relationships and that's probably one of my greater achievements is just being friends with the goalies that have gone on and still talk to and and care about, you know. Let's let's get into a little bit of that because I want to shift a little bit into the results. We've mm-hmm. been talking about the process a lot, what you focus on, um, you know, what you look for, things like that. But that process has resulted in tremendous successes. Mm-hmm. You have a laundry list of players that have come up under your guys uh leadership that are playing at the highest level um so let's 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 just go through some of that because what i'm what i love is i often ask individuals whenever they uh, experience their success whether it's a uh full ride to clemson you know chuck nash last episode or you know you get your first pro contract i always ask about how the parents felt you are, in essence, a parent to a long list of these goalies. How does it make you feel when you, you know, 20 years later, however many years you've been doing this, you got a lot of good kids out there? And what's, it, what's it mean to you? And how many of the kids that he just mentioned called you before they told their parents? A <laughs> <laughs> uh, couple of them. And sometimes I would just know before the parents, the ML, you know, a team calling me to do some scouting. But... Um, it is sad. I don't have children, so. That you know about. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't have children. So, you know, I remember uh, I listened to one of your episodes and Jared here made a comment about, like, one of my retweets. And this is not a knock on you. Um, but it's okay. It was, we it do. It's borderline bragging. It's not bragging. It's pride. Yeah. Right. So. so and, and But the point of that is because I don't have kids, so I see them. I'm not just coaching them. I mean, I'm going through breakups. I'm going through, you know, being grounded. 
it's 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 soccer's like fifty percent. And Jared created the environment that you're talking about. Um, not, he didn't create the environment. He kind of illustrated it. No, yeah. where you, <laughs> out of necessity or out of just a a, a, a vision for how this needs to be done, you created somewhat of a fraternity for each one of your players that you coached from early on Gallagher all the way up through SLU, all the way up to now, to where they are part of your family. And they look at you as not only a mentor, but a father figure. Um, And as as that grows, maybe more of a brother and, and you're, I'm assuming you go to weddings and you're, (laughs) you're godfather to a lot of little goalies (laughs) out there. (laughs) <laughs> and that's that's a testament to <clears throat> not just your ability to, you know, uh, impact on the technical side of the, of the game, but you figured out, and this is a, a thread that I've seen with a lot of coaches we've talked to on the emotional side yeah. and, and becoming a trusted advisor for yeah. those, those players. And that, that's, a, that's a huge deal. So yeah, no, it is. Kudos um, to you. Thank you. And to kind of go back to your question and then to hit on that, I think, if, if you don't show the human side of it, then it's just business, and then you're not going to get the most out of your player. If, if you, they know that you care about them, then they're going to do whatever you ask, um, not by taking advantage of them, but them just trusting that you have their best interest. Um, to go back to your question about the process, um, if I got them when they're younger, my job is to make sure that they're stable enough to perform at the age that they're at, so that way they can stay afloat and be a part of the top team because if they don't perform they might get moved off and so right away i look at things that the game demands at whatever age they're at so what the game demands at age u14 is totally different than what the game demands at u18 mm-hmm. and so i'll make sure that they're good at things that the game presents then i have a long-term goal of what i know it's going to be like when they're 18 19 20 years old and so when i talk about like the like the foot skills like that's a long process Right? But if I know the kid is struggling at crosses at U15, and I'm big on crosses anyways, I'm going to f- probably substitute some things to make sure that he starts having success. Because if I can't get the kid confident in that area, then he's not going to become confident in other areas. Right. Right. And that was, I was a, a, probably a great example of like up to my senior year, I was not good at crosses. And then that became my most dominant part of my game. But that also made the rest of my game that much better because the biggest insecurity I had was crosses. So someone's biggest insecurity is their feet. And we <laughs> got to get the, we got, we got to help that kid and get his feet better because he's going to be insecure yeah. every time he let, walks let on me, the field. Let, let, me ask you, the let, let, let me ask you, and I know the answer, and I know it's probably impossible to actually answer it directly, but how do you balance and how do you appreciate or how do you enjoy the difference between watching these individuals grow up in, in that human side where you do know the girlfriend who's then the fiance yeah. and you've gone through cycles where you've been at their weddings, you know, their kids now. And then on the, so that there's you watching them grow as humans, but then on the game side, on the mm-hmm. field, when you have players like Connor, uh, Louis Softner, uh, these names that have gone to the next level. And then now most recently you've got Patrick Schulte, who has been with you for a long, long time, yeah. who just got the call to, the most prideful stage there is. Yeah. What's the difference in for you, TK, between seeing them become great humans and then get a call to the national team? That's a great question. <laughs> Number one, 
it does go back to I do believe the better human you are, the better player you're going to become because it goes back to not, not being as arrogant and, and just being a good yeah. human being. Um, when they do get these opportunities, obviously I'm very pride, you know, a lot of pride. Um, but I also know that that's just a stepping stone to something else and there's going to be more and there's going to, there's going to be more out there and there's going to be more adversity. It doesn't stop. And so like Patrick's a good example. Like it's great that he has this opportunity. Um, but what is he going to do with that opportunity? What is this upcoming season going to be like? Right. And so all I can do is it's, it's difficult because when they do move on to college or pro, they do, they, they do touch base with me, but I have to do a good job of not hovering over them and allowing the goalie coach that they have to do his job and not be in his way. That's a good point. Um, yep. so, so I'm more of a, a sounding board and there when they need me. Um, usually when I reach out to them, it's just more about, it's not, How's it's it a little bit about soccer. Yeah. But it, it, is your name at the bottom of the uh, offer sheet with one point, two points? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no, no. Finder's fee. Oh, you know? yeah. No, no I, I, I wish. I never got a kickback on any of these guys. Well, now they're listening. Yeah, I yeah, I <laughs> well, here's yeah. where you might get one because uh, we need to touch on this. <clears throat> Excuse me. Because I know you have a lot of pride. We've talked about all the guys. We've talked about your timeline. And we'll have a little bit more fun here in a minute. But um, we had the privilege to have Katie Shields on, the, uh, yeah. the, the soccer mom. And um, there's a young lady there that is um, uh, bursting at the seams, uh, that, that, Emily, that Emily goalie. How, <clears throat> how much pride do you have there? A lot. Yeah. I, I mean, because you coached her since, what, 12? Yeah, and I think the pride comes from, because I was always a boys coach. And then yeah. I took over the girls' side at Gallagher. And I think for the first couple of years, people just assumed that I was more for the boys. So I took just immense pride to make sure the girls got everything the boys got, but also change the culture there and the expectations there and, and actually start playing, picking kids that are, have the true ability to play the position. So with Emily, yeah, I mean, she was probably the first female goalkeeper she is the first female goalkeeper that I coach from ages 12 to 18. Wow. Um, and so it, it's pride in the sense of like, because it's a female and like, I'm attached to a lot of boys, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Oh, well, that was weird, but. No. <laughs> no <laughs> but you, you know what I mean? Like, I was that. tagged to be a goal, like a boys goalkeeper director, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, we and get it. So with, with, with Emily, I mean, she's just, she was always good. And it, it goes back to like, what's the part of the process? I watch a kid and like say if you were a field player jared right and you probably would have been a pretty good goalie to be honest I don't get a big head on that but but you're athletic and you had height but my, my <coughs> point Damn, is TK, come on <laughs> is ability isn't taught and so if a kid can figure out age 13 how to make that unbelievable save mm -hmm. that's that's not taught i can teach them in a lot of different areas but i can't teach them to have that explosiveness necessarily i can't teach them those natural things. So, so I've got kind of a sidebar question regarding your own um, uh, metrics as far as success, uh, ego to a degree by producing or when you produce a player that clips at, you know, a power conference D1 yeah. ride going on to pro and beyond. A January uh, national team camp. Yeah. So through your history at a club that was pumping out so many field players yeah. 
that were checking those boxes. Yeah. That were going to to IU, ACC, SLU, winning national yeah. champion, pro, 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 national team, Europe, etc. Yeah. Running and, and living in that isolated world of goalies yeah. and, and and staff. Did that drive you too? Was it? Oh did, yeah. You know. <laughs> oh yeah. So, so I, 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 what, what was it? What was that like? Because you you saw all great players all the yeah. time. So how how did that affect your motivation or drive, drive on the yeah, goalie yeah. side? Yeah. So I, I never I never coached again. I never had the mentality that I was going to make a college goalkeeper. I always had the mentality I was going to make a professional. And with that mentality, I knew if they didn't become a pro, they're still going to be a good goalkeeper. If, if, if a goalie coach's goal is to make them a good college goalie, that, that's good. But then you're not really maximizing their potential. You're just tapping them out, in my opinion. So you're setting them up for success later. And then ability is going to, and luck and timing is going to take care of the rest. Need, luck, whatever. Yeah, you know. Um, but again, it goes back to like, you know, if, if Jared jumped in, every, no one, if, if a coach asks a kid to play goalie, no one's going to raise their hand. But if Jimmy is shooting on Jared, and Jared doesn't want Jimmy to score, so there's kids that I found at specifically Gallagher by just walking down the field and seeing kids get the, shots. The pre-game, you know, game. like a kid named yeah. Eric Walker, who was with City Two last year. Mm-hmm. I saw him just taking like him just taking shots before practice, and I was like, "Who the heck is this kid?" Yeah, and he didn't yeah. know what he was doing. He was landing on his stomach and all this crazy. You know, non-technical thing. Yeah, he wasn't but, rolling out of the die. No, but like, he wasn't letting the ball go in the net. Weird, letting the ball go in the net. <laughs> yeah, right. right. And so, I think a lot of a lot of coaches think that they. You have to be a good coach to to obviously get the most out of somebody. There's no doubt about that. But at the end of the day, if you don't have a a, a player that has ability, then uh, you know. Right. All right. Here here's the deal. We've talked enough about the weirdo goalie shit. <laughs> I got the hot dog. Here, here's where we're going with this. All these hoity-toity people in the world that want to poo-poo the hot dog about it being case meat and whatnot. I don't know who you people are. The hot dog is an American institution, and it's delicious, especially with all the fixings if it's yeah. done right. Tell me about the hot dog, and I think you think it's right. a sandwich. I'm just kidding. You don't think it's a sandwich. I do not think it's a sandwich. Do you, can we talk about the hot dog? Because I love hot dogs. Yeah, we can spend a few minutes what on the, the hot dog. What <laughs> are we doing? I mean, the hot dogs, are, it's good. It's a good snack. Well, I mean, you can do it on the run. TK loves hot dogs. Yeah. No, I know this. We, uh, I think during COVID, there was, uh, we, we had plans to do sandwich tours. Yeah. We hit up uh, uh, Crown Candy. Crown Candy. <laughs> BLTs, yeah. right? Um, yeah, I know. He's let, me ask, let me ask TK a very serious question. If I put bacon, like the amount of bacon from a Crown Candy BLT, yeah. Yeah. and tomatoes, yeah. and a little mayo, yeah. maybe a little lettuce, yeah. cucumber, on a hot dog bun, yeah. is it a sandwich? Without the hot dog? Yeah. Uh, you just put a whole bunch of crap on a hot dog bun. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> but if I put a hot dog on white bread, like, I, like replace, switch... The BLT. Oh out. my God, we've totally jumped. The no, shark. but we need to talk about this because <clears throat> hot dogs deal. are delicious. I didn't say anything about the taste. There's let's, a lot of people that think hot dogs are semantic. I'm I'm a, no, I, I do. I do want to get into city because <laughs> I, I think that um, one of the things I really wanted to get from you, TK, is 
you have a good relationship with Jared. You've known him for a long, long time. And, and JB, even you and I have never really sat down and, and, and yeah. talked, but I've really enjoyed getting to know you over the last hour or so. And I can feel the passion that you have. Um, and it's, it's infectious and it's obvious and it's really, really cool. So how were you able to translate that into the new role at city where you are not developing the kids anymore? You're kind of getting these guys that were coached by other people like you. Yeah. And so how, how do you make that transition from, you know, being the guy that kind of helped shepherd them into these, these, these spots to now going, okay, (laughs) you have some traits that I really like, yeah. but here's some things we need to sharpen up on or, or soften down. Like, yeah. how did that happen? Will you answer the hot dog question after that? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> I love nachos too. Um, but uh, no, I mean, it, it's it was difficult more because that's what I was used to doing. Yeah. I do have a lot of trust in the guys that I work with. Sure. Um, my job hasn't changed too much. It's still about getting goalies to the first team yep um so it's changing the environment wise um but whenever i get them again it's just what do they need the most and how can i get them there as fast as i can and you know a good example of christian this year uh, christian Oliveira, who, who just signed a first team contract and he came to us and we took a chance we didn't he had a one one and one meaning one one year and then one year option and i could see that he had the technical ability, but he had no idea how to move inside the box. He, his positioning was way off. And if you have bad positioning, then you're going to have bad decisions. So it was very clear on what I need to tackle with that player. So a 17-year-old, though, is a little bit easier because they're a little bit more physically formed. Mm-hmm. So therefore, they can control their bodies more. Yep. Right. And so something that maybe someone's more efficient because they've been doing it for three years, I can catch them up in you six months, do, yeah, three months, sense. you know, whatever it might be. I, I do have a follow-up to that. Which Hopefully that answered your it question. It does, and I love that answer. And I, 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 this might be a dumb question because it's coming from... <laughs> Is it about hot dogs? It's not. Okay. Completely from an ignorant <clears throat> standpoint. <clears throat> but <throat> goalkeeper of the year for MLS is Berkey. Yeah, he's unbelievable. He is unbelievable. Yeah. But did he have much of an impact on the city two side of things or did, did he was he able yeah, to kind I of mean, work with some of the the, the, the players you got to, to no to i mean the way we do and alex is great i mean alex the director of goalkeepers and the first team goal uh goalkeeper coach like he's 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 awesome and he he wants our young players and so does the club in general right they want our young players to get opportunities if if if, if you know they have de- earned it and deserved it um, but some of like Nick Bishop, who's a young 16 year old, yep. he, he went mm-hmm. in with the first team like three or four or five, six times last year, maybe because of an injury, maybe because they needed four goalies that day. Um, so Roman's impact isn't necessarily him interacting with us, but just watching them. Yeah. I mean, even for me as a goalie coach, who's now 46 years old, I mean, I, I, we have these windows and I get to just watch them and you pick up little subtle things that maybe you wouldn't pick up. How right, about the 75-yard right. side volley up the uh, sidewinder sideline <laughs> right to people's feet in stride? Ridiculous. Ridiculous. Well, good. I'll Pretty take good. that. that, that yeah. the, the Berkey side of this conversation was in the back of my head, and I, w- I want to add another level to it. Like, at what point, because, I mean, you're talking very technically, and I get it, and I appreciate it, and I think anybody listening is like, okay, these are X's and O's. These yeah. are, it's really good. But as a lover of the game, with Berkey in particular, 
Was there ever a point like when you knew the name was coming in or when you knew you were going to be there with him or the first time kind of maybe a little bit of training? Did you ever have that point where it's like fun, like you were a kid, like you were a fan? And, and, and what, did it, what did it mean to you personally knowing you're wearing the same kit, the yeah. same gear, you're part of that club? Yeah. How, how, how did that feel? That was unbelievable i mean i mean one it's it's to be a part of this is is an honor um but it does add pressure because it's my hometown so you have to produce and you have to produce goalies because that's my job mm -hmm. but specifically with roman you know like to be able to watch him and you know when when i was at gallagher and i had sparrow or any of those other guys like usually we're watching european goalies we're not watching it we weren't watching mls goalkeepers right, right. their position is totally different you could tell that like the mls goalie was starting at the four or five yard line where the other guys are way back and, you know just all these little things that are big big impacts with roman though we have one of the uh, one of the at one point one of the top european goalkeepers and i in my opinion would still one of the probably could still go play in the league right based on what we saw last year right yeah. <clears throat> but now we can use him as an example and that's somebody who is one field over yeah he's in the training. next room over yeah it's not <laughs> taking it off so of youtube crazy. or twitter you know so that that is like it's he's right there you know so that's the benefit right and so roman's obviously i've interacted with him many times he's a, he's a great human being he's also a savvy pro and he's here to do a job and he does his job and he comes in he takes care of himself that guy is in the weight room constantly he's always taking care of himself he's an adamant pro but he's also reserved he's very quiet but then when he talks he's loud like when you <laughs> see him in a game like he gets yeah. at people right he's very reserved why does he like the football team from north carolina he likes carolina because he met a friend of his and i don't know the name but he it, there's a reason he became friends with one of the old carolina panthers okay makes and sense. then that's his connection yeah. At least it's not the Rams. No, it's he's well, a huge Carolina. Yeah. <laughs> you, would, yeah. you would have had words with him. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. We got to fix yeah, that. We're, we're we're changing, we're, that. Yeah, no, we're changing that. But so, no, it's a, a great benefit for our our goalkeepers to have that as an example on a weekly, daily basis. So let's 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 zoom out then. Yeah. Like, we'll 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 go back. Um, year one, roll into the league. Um, a lot of names, you know, from Klaus to Leuven, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, for the most part, and a lot of us are soccer fans, they were totally new to us. Yeah. And our backyard is loaded with people that kind of know the game, or at least claim they know the mm -hmm. game, right? Did you have any idea that this season would go the way that it did? Uh, I have to assume because you, you seem to be very pragmatic. Going into the season, you're probably like, look, let's just be disciplined. Let's not embarrass ourselves and compete. But halfway through, going towards the end, finish the, the year top of the West. What, what did that mean to you? What, what was that experience like? exceeding all expectations as yeah. an organization? Yeah, being a ground level higher, too. Like, yeah. I mean, that's the pride's got to be killing you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that pride comes pressure, though. Um, I, I do think, um, I mean, it was unbelievable. But I did know that, like, you know, Lutz, the sporting director, is a, a great human being. You know, obviously, he's pretty outspoken at times. But I, I, he knew the league. He studied the league for a solid year, year, just that whole season before. And I trusted him. He, I remember him when we had a meeting, and he just said, you know, our goal is to make the playoffs. 
and, and that was the goal. And he felt like he could provide a team that could at least make the playoffs. Um, for us, that beginning, those six, seven games, wherever that was, we went on that run. The number one thing was to take care of the spine. So if you notice, he, he did take care of the spine. <laughs> yes. right? And so I think any team, high school, college, pro, sixth graders, if you have a good spine, then you can kind of build out from there. Mm -hmm. um, what this does, though, in my opinion, is it's great for our city. It's great for the game. It's great for our fans. But I just hope that they understand that what we accomplished last year is rare. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. can we follow up with that? Time will tell. But understand, this is our second year of a professional club. Yeah. And there's, got, there's teams that have 20 to 25 years head start on That them. have never won. Well, and, 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 and never won the Western Conference for sure. My, my thoughts are, um, and this is where I'm like the fan, and I take all the St. Louis side out of it. I'm a fan. St. Louis guy. You're a St. Louis guy. Yeah. The style of play. Um, do you feel like, because you're in it, is it conducive to win in our top-level league? Yeah. If you have the right players. Okay. Yeah. I mean, look, you can play any style if you have the right players. Yeah, I agree. You know what I mean? So, like, now, the question is, it's subjective. Like, one person might like a certain style, another person likes it, another style. But at the end of the day, you got to have ability. So gotta I'm going to ask a question that JB has been chomping in the bit to ask because you talk about your pro career. High pro school career. versus club? Nope. Oh, okay. Your pro is career. Kansas relevant? Well, yes, that's what I was getting to. So... <laughs> Your pro career landed you in one of our uh, nether regions. Yeah. Well, that, uh, yeah, it was Kansas City Wizards. Yeah. Well, for a cup of coffee. It was the second year of MLS. Do you have the rainbow shorts still? <laughs> no, I don't have any. God, I wish I had those. Yeah, I mean, it was. Those are cool. Yeah. I, <laughs> yeah, I mean. <laughs> was I Mo Johnson on the speechless. team? Yeah, Mo. Jo so that's how I got to the team. Mo Johnson and I had the same agent. And then when I was at Flow Valley, I was on TV for the U19 Gallagher Championship, the national championship, and that's how I was found. Missouri State, we played him in the pre or in the in the like the spring season. I thought he broke my back one time. Yeah, he's how like just jumped on freaking no just just ran through me yeah he's great human he was, he, yeah. we don't need to know about your post-game party yeah he, he was mo johnson was a great guy he was the one guy that would take me out to dinner and like hang out with yeah. me and not hang out with me because he was much older yep. yeah but i wasn't ready for that mentally no not, not even close to be in that environment would you love to have what these kids have now with the mental training and the understanding of of the ups and downs that they have because when we were growing up even if we were good players this was so foreign yeah. these kids have such a high leg up on what's going on it's just awesome that that there's people like yourself and the other people that are connecting in with them at a a, a mental level yeah outside the game yeah yeah i mean it's twofold because do you do you pat them too much mm. right do they learn actual resiliency on their own or do they always have someone in their ear tell them one thing or the other right and so there's a fine line i think in a in a in a, in a strategy of like making sure that they're you can't you can't hold their hand the whole time yeah. right and well you gotta said. you gotta teach them how to not have their hand held and and to get through things yeah. because at some point they're going to have to get through things somewhat on their own 
Yeah. Right. And it may not be till they're 18 and maybe when they're 22, 23, but they're all building blocks to that moment. Yeah. And so, but with the positive is that it's not too old school where then there's right. no conversations and then you're guessing and you're looking behind your shoulders and you're walking on eggshells. Yeah. Right. And so I think there's a, I don't know if that answers it clearly, but I think that answer, but I think it's a twofold and I think it's a, it's a heavy balance of both. I'm old school. So like, that's how I treat the goalkeeper. But I think that's why you like hot dogs. You know, one of the things Lori Kalepney talked about was she just went outside and played. Nobody told her to survive. Nobody said, Hey, you got to go out and do 80 reps or 150 reps or get a triangle wall and start. She just did it. And, but now we have coaches, we have parents who are a little more educated for good or bad. And so there is more of that kind of, I I like the word padding, coddling is a little too much, but I think I I like that. And I I think that's that balance of finding that, pushing it, but also then pushing them and letting them figure it out on their own a little bit too. So be a resource. Don't, yeah, I love that. Always be in front. Yeah. (laughs) I, I know we're, coming to the end here um but this has been a really great time for me appreciate <laughs> to get to know you and i, I think our listeners are gonna really gonna love your stories and the, and the well, passion other than go for the stupid <clears throat> shit that jared asks well sure. I, I got i got two simple <laughs> questions for you uh one um free time what do you do you, no soccer what do you what do you do to have fun uh, besides chasing down nachos and hot dogs concerts Concert, Concert's music, my thing. Music's my live thing. live music. Yeah, yeah. A uh, much and tougher question because you told us there was one question that was off the record, but yeah. I'm not going to ask you that. Yeah. But if you play FIFA, yeah, and you build your team, yeah, do you put a St. Louis goalie in goal? Yeah, Tim Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Can I? But yeah. I, I do want to add one thing, if you don't mind. Yeah, absolutely, um, man. Just to the parents of a goalkeeper, <laughs> just support them. When they're driving home, don't talk about the game. Just get them ice cream. Love ice, that. Ice cream. Or hot dogs. They, they already have pressure. God. They know they messed up. They feel yeah. pressure from their teammates. They can feel pressure from the coach. You be the good person. I love it, man. Well said. I mean, that look, that's a universal uh, line of advice. Are you guys listening? Because you guys got those long rides home. Oh, yeah. they're long. Kids are dealing with things that, that parents may not understand, especially if they've never been a goalkeeper. So just support them. My parents never said a word to me, and that. I want to be a goalie in my next life. It's fun. I think it's the funnest position. Because uh, <laughs> I'm weird. I'm, I'm weird enough. It's probably gonna be like a three-toed weird. sloth, dude. <laughs> There's nothing goalie in your <laughs> future. Uh, hey, we're out of here. Thank you, Tim Thanks Kelly, for joining us, man. Really appreciate it. Uh, Zach Jared, thanks for uh, you know everything that you do. Uh, Urban Chestnut. You're welcome. John, Dave. Appreciate the hospitality. Uh, ExploreSTL.com. Check it out when you want to do stuff. Uh, concert calendars all over that thing, too, by the way. Oh, yeah. Go there. Uh, Chris Bill Croup, ThePinnacleLoans.com. Uh, rates are dropping. Go get yourself a house. And we're out of here. We'll catch you next time. Man,